I'm ready when you are. You can feel the country's on a knife edge. It's only, what, 30 minutes late starting? Let's do this! <laughs> it's a joke, obviously. You're in retreat. We're not rioting yet. I don't like that question. You're just saying shit and you don't even know what you're talking about. But Spider-Gate sounds way cooler than Manta Rays, doesn't it? And I was like, well, here's my two cents. You, you, you need a lot of stuff. That's how we should describe the podcast. If they ever went around recruiting one more person, then we'd have double the number of people listening. Well then. Let's start the show. Good evening. Happy New Year. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Christmas. Happy whatever. It just seems to be all I'm saying. How are you doing, Flash? How's it going? How's 2019? I'm good. Welcome, Brad fans. Welcome to the show. It's 2019. Brand new year. I'm feeling good. I've, you know, didn't didn't make any resolutions as per every year because good. I know that it's just... As time goes on, I'm I'm not I know I'm not going to stick to it. Well, and so. also you can't improve on perfection, so you know. Well, that's that's much better said than than anything I was rambling on about as I got my scotch in my hand. And, well, maybe so there's no dry maybe January because you got that scotch in your hand is why you were rambling yeah, on. But, uh, it could be, could be. There's no dry January over here. Oh that, no! I, I anyone that oh I'm doing dry January, I I literally walk away from them. Yeah, I've not yeah. Time unfriended. Them, but, uh, Blocked, yeah. As you finish off your glass of wine, yeah, there, it's, so. it's not dry good. January here, that's for sure. <laughs> it's good, but well, I mean, you you covered most of the holidays, a lot of the holidays. I hope everyone had a good holiday. You had a enjoyable time. Uh, yeah, I had a, a good one. Going back to work has been a shock, and it's funny working in a like a global organization because you're not. It's considered bad form to say Happy Christmas before you or have a good Christmas before you go because you never know whether people do or don't celebrate. So, right, it, right, so it's really right. got to say, oh, you know, have a good holiday. And it's, yeah. you know, we're in a society where we're having two weeks off because it's Christmas. Whether you believe in it or not, that's why you're getting the two weeks off. So let's just <laughs> say that and move on. But, you know, I'll, I'll take the boxes. I'll be all PC about it. It's fine. Oh, good. Well, you know, this, this here, Brad, is your safe space. Well, you know, it's I, I, our safe space. You that, can say what you want. That's all. And I will just get offended and tweet about it later. <laughs> Is it a safe space because we have no listeners? Is that why? <laughs> it could be. We've we've gotten zero feedback, no complaints. So well, actually, that's not true. We've gotten some feedback. Thank you to those who got in touch with us last year, gave us feedback in person or otherwise. We appreciate it. Exactly. Twenty eighteen was a pretty good year for the show. It was. We started. Uh, we started uh, the conversation. You know, episodes that I've been doing. So that was good. That was a that was let's say that was a resolution kept for 2018. You know, well, you I just don't know. say my resolutions out loud because then when I fail, nobody knows. Exactly, keep keep them up here. That's that's what you need. Well, let's right. let's part that because I yeah, there's there's some good things happening in 2018 on the show, and we'll we'll cover that later. But let's let's dive into the the heavy stuff first, shall we? Which uh, well, yeah, what I mean, the listeners we, are here we, for. Right, right. My super intellectual takes on all sorts of things. That's yeah. what people want to hear. Yeah, right. That's, um, that's why I dialed in. Well, that and I hit the wrong number on Skype. But... <laughs> well, you're here now, so you got to listen to me. Yeah, only because I can't find the hang-up button. But... <laughs> Bloody Skype update. <laughs> um, no. Well, when we decided, you know, first first show of the year, we've done sort of predictions in the past and we're we're moving on from that. We're going to try something new this year. I, I propose to you that we take a look back. Um, and I took that and I said, you know, what were my what were my big stories of last year or what were the big topics that I thought of 2018 sort of that came to light uh, and that will that will be things that will carry on into the new year. Sort of what were the big things? And I got two. Um, and I'll start with the obvious one, the very obvious one, which is climate change. I mean, how can that not be sort is that, of Is that such a the... thing? Yeah, right. Yeah, it's, it's snowing here, so the climate's getting colder, right? That whole okay. thing. 
right? We're bringing uh, we're bringing snowballs into Parliament and whatnot. I know that's an American thing, but no, I mean climate change was like it's it's top the news. It was in the news a lot last year. There was the new UN report, you know, that was doom and gloom. Uh, we're 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 heading towards the I think it was like the five degree mark, and unless we do yeah. something in the next ten fifteen years, we're we're pooched, as they say. Um, Is that the technical then, scientific term? Yeah, totally. I, I I roll with a lot of climate science guys. Okay, so pooched, pooched is pooched is the is the official word. Okay, you heard. Uh, we also <laughs> we also saw you know the U.S. was pulling out of the Paris Agreement, um, carbon tax, and you know oil prices, fossil fuel news. That was really big in Canada and uh, particularly in my home home province of Al- Alberta. But what intrigued me the most about uh, the climate change discussion this year was I saw particularly on a podcast uh, titled Canada Land. You can see why I'm a fan. It's a great podcast if you're in Canada or outside. I recommend it. But um, they're a sort of a media news show. uh, And they talked about how how the media reports on climate change. And I thought that was an interesting angle. And I thought that was an interesting, interesting story of 2018 because we got all the data you know and 2018 gave us more data and we saw all this kerfuffle about it and we it, it, we everybody should know the facts right now but we know that facts don't work when we're trying to convey the seriousness of this issue or you know change people's attitudes and whatnot so having a conversation about how the media actually reports on climate change i thought was you know pretty interesting and something that's you know, relevant for 2019. Well, and, and every year moving forward until we sort of have a a solid grip on the issue and are all sort of pulling the rope in in the in the same direction. So we know that like we know facts don't work. You can't just spew facts at somebody to convince them. It doesn't seem that the sort of you know apocalypse scenarios approach seems to be working either. I mean that to me that's the same as just like bombarding someone with facts you know just telling oh well you know the world's gonna end and droughts and the crops are all gonna die. you know people seem to either you know if, they, if they're not on board with the situation already that's not gonna that's not gonna make it work discussing policy is also really difficult uh i've seen this again like i said from the from the conversations about carbon tax and oil prices and such in canada you people just tune out it's a very dry, very dry subject matter. Uh, so what do you do? And I mean, and I, I'm, I don't have an answer, you know. And this oh, is well, kind of what I'm. That's what ruined I'm that flash. I suspect well. you'd have to, you know, pull it out your back pocket and cure global warming. Now that would have been a great way to start the show for 2019. By the way, guys, flash is fixed. Climate I figured change. it out. Listen to me. Vote for me, the new supreme leader. I will fix it all. No, um, I think one thing that popped up in the very first. Um, in conversation episode that I did with Jay Ingram, science broadcaster back in Canada. Eh, he's been on TV for a while, and I, we got him on the podcast. No big deal. Just mm, drop that plug name. there. Little plug there. Um, but he was telling a story about a lady, and I can't remember her name now. Go back and listen to that episode. Check it out. Um, and she went. Her approach was was asking questions. So the example that he used when he had heard her speak was, you know, you go and you talk to the road construction crew, the guys that work on that and say, well, what have you noticed in the last 10 years or something? Oh, well, we noticed that the the spring melt comes sooner, earlier every year, and we can start digging in the roads and the pipelines and all that stuff earlier. That's a, you know, an experience that someone puts to. And then yeah, from there, the you've got yeah, a foot yeah. in. Yeah, exactly. You've got a foot in the door and you can go. So, I mean, I think that's a nice approach. I think that's a, you know, it makes sense. But the problem I have with that is then how do you do that to every single person? You know, how do you have that conversation? If you're a journalist or a height, you can, unless you're touring around the country holding these forums where you can actually get people to come and listen to you and have this conversation, it's a very difficult thing. But I think that is a, I think that is a good approach. And so, you know, my, uh, my personal feelings on it you know, whether I'm right or wrong, um, is that in that same vein, if we're talking about stories or communities, you know, that where they have embraced making changes, 
you know, maybe they're the ones like the coastal communities, you know, these small islands that will be affected first, you know? Yeah. Um, and we see that they're finding solutions. I saw some headlines the other day about how the Netherlands is going to deal with rising oceans. You know, they're obviously going to be on the front line uh, and then finding how they're finding solutions. You know, that could be an interesting way to get it in because then it's like, you know what, if you, if you believe it or not, I'm not here to try and, you know, convince the hard climate deniers, but I'm here to be like, look at these people see a problem. They see it on their front, their front doorstep. Look at what they're doing. Look at the innovation that it's spurring. And then I think even more importantly too, especially I think back home of, of, you know, Alberta where the economy is all fossil fuels. You know, how, how, how can we find stories where people that are dependent on that economy you know, which is the biggest contributing factor to this whole problem. How are they finding ways to transition to something else? Because I think more than anything in those communities, it's a fear of jobs and yeah. a loss of jobs rather than really uh, this staunch belief that, well, it's climate change is just a big hoax. I mean, I think, you know, people might believe that or say they believe that, but really deep down, I think they're worried about losing their job and their livelihood and things yeah, like that. Think- so if you can find ways to be like, look at, Look at, you know, Texas is an example where, yeah, they're still drilling a lot, but they also, I think, are leading the U.S. in in solar energy development as well. Well, that's the thing with energy companies, you know, that historically have been oil, oil, oil. You know, their oil companies have started, you know, the last 10 years or so, maybe a little bit less, you start to see them rebrand as energy companies rather than oil company. You know, we provide energy and look at other ways of, of doing that. When you when you said about the media reporting, I think what would be interesting to me would be. I wonder how, how that's changed over the last, twelve to eighteen months with certain, global powers that have changed recently that, do or don't believe in in climate change because from from my point of view, I think I've definitely noticed the change of people switching off more because they are oh, climate change again and they turn off because they link yeah, it. They're weary. Yeah. yeah, they're weary because they link it to, oh, well, it's another Donald Trump story or fake media story or mm-hmm. something like that, which is, is kind of dangerous in a right. way. You know, as well as the fake media that is definitely dangerous, and we've seen how that can, can change the course of politics and countries and whatever. It's the fact of just switching off to what's going on around you. I think that, for me, yeah. is the danger. And as you said, unless you're physically seeing something. So I saw... On, I think it was on Instagram somewhere, there's a guy that I follow who's based in Alaska. Mm. Um, and he, um, at the start of winter, posted a picture, and he does it every year by all accounts. He takes a rubbish bin, trash can, garbage bin, whatever you call it, depending where you're from, um, that's filled with water over the, the year. Um, and then when it's, when it's frozen, he tips it out and he leaves it on his back porch or whatever, and basically just informally monitors how long it takes for it to melt over the course of three, four, five, five months. So he was just saying yeah. informally on Instagram that he's noticed, obviously it's that there are some changes. Sometimes you have a really cold winter, but yeah. he's, he's noticed over the last, and he's done this ever since he was a kid by all accounts. He's noticed yeah. over the years that that's melting a lot quicker. So again, he's seeing yeah. something tangible. And unless you're seeing something like that, Mm-hmm. As you said, I think people are just switching off and, oh, well, yeah. it'll be fine. Somebody else will fix that. I don't need to worry about that. Well, and I think even that's, you know, that's the danger too, not just, you know, like climate deniers, but like you say, people that, you know, readily accept that this is a, an issue that's happening. But when you're told over and over, you're the problem, you know, our fossil fuel consumption is the problem, but you're like, well, I still have to drive to work. You know, I still have to heat my home. You know, you get defensive or, yeah, you get weary of like, well, you know, what am I going to do? And that's why I think solutions, you know, per- highlighting the solutions is kind of interesting route to go. Because it's like, look at, no, you, this, the thing is, it's not like, it's not one of those, you're, you're, you changing your behavior and me changing my behavior probably isn't going to do anything, right? Like, it's not going to make a dent. It has to be a big shift, a whole shift together. But yeah. I think that highlighting these individual success stories or these individual in, individual innovations is important because it shows that there is people making a making an effort 
and you know maybe they can get more people on board but i don't know i mean some people would argue and i think on the canada land podcast that i referenced they talked about because there's this idea of solutions journalism where it's like journalism totally focused on you know solutions to problems rather than just talking about right these are the issues sort of thing and the there was some discussion about wow is that really journal journalism or whatever but I don't, to me it, to, to me it makes sense so it'll be interesting to see how we we handle this moving forward and how much of it is rather than trying to combat the the narrative that you know say like a Donald Trump or somebody is is shouting out rather than trying to like give equal sides to the debate you know kind of thing or how much of it is just like look at let's just focus on what we know we're not going to beat you over the head with it but it's whether you believe it or not it's happening and here are the people that are doing things to 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 fix it that's the kind of stuff that i'm probably more likely to tune into now but i don't know so and I mean, that's, yeah, like I said, this is going to be 2019, it's going to be 2020, it's going to be, you know, until until we either are pooched, as they say. Yeah, so I've learned or, to uh, or we Or we get a grasp on it. So so that was one sort of big big thing of, of 2018. We, we couldn't go a whole year, because we, we don't really talk about that too, too much on the show. No. Uh, we try to keep it a bit lighter, but that was that was a big one. And then, but the one that was really fascinating to me and also a big story uh, and I think will be a big thing moving forward is what we've learned about social media. So there was a lot of talk about Facebook this year. Uh, they had Senate hearings with Mark Zuckerberg. Um, and they've not, was... they've not had some of the hearings here because he refuses to come to our parliament to talk. Right, right. Well, I think they find. I think Facebook was fined in the UK, and definitely that um, company Cambridge Analytica that was in the news yeah. for their use of Facebook data, uh, they were recently fined. Um, but anyway, uh, that's a little further ahead. Let's let's start with sort of you know what well, what did we learn about social media this year? Well, it got a lot of negative press. Um, check our check our twitter feed if you if you want to know if you want to know more um but no it's um we there was kind of rumblings in 2017 i guess that it that it was addictive or that you know that it had been designed the social media platforms had been designed to be addictive uh but that really kind of came out again in 2018 in the summer uh when a lot of former facebook employees were talking about um their role in this and their trepidations about what they had done there was famously some of the high up famous uh high up facebook employees or former high up facebook employees that were saying like we don't even we don't even use it and we don't even allow our families to use it because we kind of know how harmful it is so and that's because it, it runs on clicks right they introduced the like button and this is a big thing in social media liking sharing retweeting it's a sense of it gives you that sense of validation and yeah uh, support and stuff but and and that's what this this business model is so one former facebook employee i have a quote here from a one of the stories i was reading and i'll have the links to all that on the website but it's you have a business model designed to engage you and get you to base and get you to basically suck as much time out of your life as possible and then selling that attention to advertisers and that's it right and and this this will lead to some of the some of the problems i think or some of the exploitation of the platforms that we've seen by these certain actors that maybe don't have the best of best of intentions and then there was also i have another quote here from leah perlman who was the co-inventor of facebook's like button and she said she had become hooked on facebook because she had begun basing her sense of self-worth on the number of likes she had and so this this you know that was that was sort of the revel revelations from the from the from the people on the inside and then I, there's a lot of social scientists and um, psychologists and stuff that are starting to make the correlations between social media use and anxiety, depression, suicide, self-harm. So there was a lot of correlations there. Couldn't really make the cause. There's a few causal studies that they've started to do, but you see this a lot in the younger generations, especially girls uh, in sort of the middle school ages. And if you looked at the, the data of, you know, people that were exposed to social media in, say, university or later in life, so sort of you and me, our 
you know, the rates of suicide, anxiety, depression are basically stay the same. But then the introduction of social media for these younger kids, this sort of like 10 to 14 sort of range, it just skyrockets. So the rates of, you know, and whether that's social media, a lot of the psychologists, child psychologists are saying that it is, um, you know, so this is something we learned this year. Um, there was the causal studies that I mentioned here where it's just like they did like you limit social media in one group uh, and not in the other. So one group does it like, you know, they're allowed to do it like 10 minutes a day or something right. like that. The other group just carries on with their normal habits. Uh, and you saw a benefit in the scores of anxiety, depression, whatever, in the, the limiting group. Um, there was another one where they did a study where they found people mostly women that were commenting on posts of people that they perceived were more attractive than them that actually made them feel worse so there's this big thing of you know comparing your life to someone else's and of course other people's lives don't it's not an accurate representation no. on instagram especially when you have filters and all of this stuff but everybody's out there posting you know my best life living my best life and all this so yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Um, so that's sort of, you know, we, we learned this about it, that it's, it's, it's potentially harmful for your mental well-being and well, that it's designed to, to keep you there and to make you click. And those clicks, you know, drive the advertising revenue and, and you know, then there's that feedback loop of if you're, if you're clicking on that kind of stuff and liking that stuff, you see more of that stuff. Well, I think, yeah, and I think the other thing we learned is how powerful it is we call it social media, but in mainstream media and, and, you know, the effects it's had in changing the course of governments and, right. things like, you know, it is, it is such a great tool and it has made the world a lot smaller. But as you said, there is definitely a, a dangerous edge to it. And now, you know, I'm, I'm not on Facebook. I used to be, and I, I, I came off it just because as you sort of alluded to earlier, it was just taking up too much of my time. Oh, I'll just check to see if so-and-so's yeah. replied us. Yeah. And then, I guess for me, what was the big turnoff, which some people, I guess, go the other way, was when they started introducing like some of the games on there. Because then it's like, well, so you know, Joe has sent you a cow for your farm in Farmville or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, I'm don't I didn't do this to do online gaming. I'm gone. Whereas I know other friends might like, that was the hook for them. Oh, I can yeah. play games with Joe. That's on the other side. Right. Right. Well, and then and that leads us to the sort of the second part that we learned. So we know that this was you know. Maybe this this design was, you know, the way it was designed was to increase revenue and to increase ad revenue. I don't think the people at Facebook, when they designed it, really had malicious intentions other no. than making money off of you. But now we know that they were collecting a lot of data from this because you're engaging with it all the time in a personal way. You're giving it, you're feeding it what you like and what you click on and what's drawing your attention. Um and they're collecting that data. And then we know that they were careless with that data. So this is where the Cambridge Analytica thing comes in. Uh, so Cambridge Analytica, if you remember, uh, was a, a company that was basically, they were like political consultants, I guess you could say, or political influencers. Um, yeah. They were hired by the Leave campaign for Brexit, and they were hired by Donald Trump. But what they did is they had acquired uh, and used personal data um, from Facebook users, and they got it from an external researcher who had told Facebook that he was collecting it for academic purposes. And I think this is something that people didn't realize is a lot, some of those games that they're playing or quizzes that they're taking is were designed by researchers, social psychologists and things like this, sociologists, because it's a great way to get, like we said, scores of data. Yeah. Um, and they were using it for academic purposes and Facebook was allowing that you know, as long as there there was some, there was supposed to be some, you know, contract or whatever, that this is purely yeah. academic, we're respecting the privacy still. Um, but it turned out that that didn't happen because the personal data of approximately 87 million Facebook users was acquired, but they acquired it by only accessing 270,000 people, Facebook users, who had used an app called This Is Your Digital Life. So these 270,000 people were using this app, this Facebook app, this is your digital life. I have no idea what it was, but obviously they were feeding information into it. But by clicking on, you know, just going through the, you always get the privacy consent, you know, that, you know, that yep. shit that we always just say agree to. Yeah. Cause yeah. you just want to get to whatever it is you're trying to yeah, bloody look exactly. at. Yeah, exactly. 
in doing that, you gave the app third party, or you gave the third party app permission to acquire not only your data, but also to have access to your friend network. So it was then able to get data from your friend network. So even if you know if you were using it and I wasn't and we were friends, they had access to mine. So this is how they were able to get 87 million user data. And then this Cambridge Analytica company got that from the researcher. And that's where sort of the illegal stuff apparently happened was that that transfer of that data. Um, but they used it and they used it to apparently influence uh, both the American election and the Leave campaign. I mean, we also saw this, um, you know, there was the stories of the Macedonian kids during the 2016 presidential election that they sort of realized, hey, if we just start writing stories uh, that Americans are going to click on, we will get ad revenue. So they just started making up stories, you know, and it turns out when you look at the data that, you know, we kind of view it as sort of a right wing problem. You know, that it's it's a lot of it is right wing conservative yeah. clickbait stuff. I mean, it exists on both sides of the political aisle and nobody is immune to it. You know, let's we have to be very clear about that. It just so happens that people that were more right leaning were more willing to engage in this. And so they just realized we could make more money if we do it, you know, against Hillary Clinton and four Trump supporters. You know, so there was that we found out that the Russian government you know, they'll deny it, but there's strong evidence that they were paying people to do this exact same thing to sort of sow discord and turn people against uh, Hillary Clinton. How, do we know how much that actually influenced the election? I don't know. It seems like a lot. Um, and then just recently, again, I'm going to mention Canada Land, but they just put out a piece, a written piece on their website and also a podcast where they are basically outlining because Canada will be having a federal election this year, later on in the year in October. Um, they, you know, have sort of identified these groups that are operating in Canada that, you know, work on Facebook and they, one of them in particular, Ontario proud, and they now have like Alberta proud, British Columbia proud, all the provinces proud, right? And they build themselves as sort of a grassroots this is just the people sharing memes about stuff that they like, you know, and, and that they and that they want, you know, it's a grassroots thing. They were interviewed by Candleland, the guy who started it, Ontario Proud was interviewed by Candleland. He said, it's all small donation, you know, it's all users, we never got any big sort of donations or anything like that. And they were running hard in the Ontario election uh, against the Liberal Party and then the New, New Democratic Party uh, backing sort of the in indirectly backing the conservative party right. what they've what came to light after the election the ontario provincial election in which crack smoking mayor rob ford's brother doug ford was elected right yeah. um who's you know he's been called the sort of trump of political or provincial politics in canada i don't particularly care for him but that's neither here nor there what came to light afterwards is that this facebook group this website and facebook group was receiving large donations from the real estate industry, the How property. How did I know that there was a large donation benefactor coming exactly. at some point in this story? Exactly. And these, this is a group of real estate developers who uh, want to develop what's called the Green Belt in Toronto, which is a section of you know, green space, I imagine, yep. that has been blocked off that you can't develop. Well, guess who wants to allow the developers to get in there and start using that land? our friend Mr. Ford. So it all it, it all comes around, you know, and it's just it's 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 fine if you want to be like, hey, we're campaigning, we're allowed, you know, you're allowed to campaign, businesses are allowed to con contribute to campaigns. Um, it's not as bad as in the as it is in the states. There is still limits and stuff in Canada, but it's the deception. And I think that that's really, you know, Facebook, social media, you know, like we said, the way that it's designed, it's just so exploitable. It's so exploitable and they can, you know, so I, I want to say to all the Canadian listeners that you should check out this. I'll have links to it. You should check this out and see and then look at your Facebook feed and look at the stuff that you're sharing. You know, all those things that say share if you agree that we need to support the troops or something like this, you know, because that stuff that you're clicking on and that you're sharing, which seems like, oh, this is just my fellow yeah. conservative or this is my fellow liberal guy and we're gonna you know change the world and change the everyone's opinion by sharing this stuff you are giving money to groups that you don't know you're giving money to and whether 
you agree with some of the positions, you know, you're getting hooked, you're getting played is the way that I see it. So you should be very wary of what you're sharing and who these groups are. And I think it's really great that Candleland did a piece on that and sort of tried to highlight it. And they, and, and like I said, they showed that there's, you know, left-wing organizations doing it, there's right-wing organizations doing it. And to me, I think this is sort of, that was the big thing for me of 2018 was all of this stuff coming out um, about social media, Facebook in particular, but the other ones, you know, there was the issues of, you know, censorship. I mean, where do we go from here? Now that we know this is it, and we know that, you know, it's harmful and it's being exploited and stuff, what do we do? I've, I need it. I'm taking a sip of scotch, Brad. Well, I was, what I do was you gonna, got? Well, what I was going to flag at some point is, we, you know, we're the saviors of modern media, but we're not the saviors of social media. Because, you know, I don't want listeners contacting us saying, well, you guys said you were going to fix this. You're the saviors. So, you yeah. know, I just want to put that, that caveat in. But, yeah, I think it, it's, it, it's become a, a, a drug almost, isn't it? And I think... 2018, mm-hmm. we've seen how powerful a drug it potentially is, both in terms of, you know, as we've talked about before, people being addicted to it, but then also the the effects it has. And it, as you said, I think there has been, within certain groups, a realisation of actually they're a bit more careful of what they click on or they access now because of, you know, the, the horror stories. Horror is probably too strong a word, but the stories right. seen, seen or heard on the news. But I think there is also this population that, you know, and maybe they are an older population that... If you look at the demographic of Facebook, it's getting older and older. And right, yeah. Anecdotally, I see it as the older people that are sharing a lot of this content that I don't think they realize. No, and that's, you know, that's yeah, I was thinking, yeah, a few discussions I've had recently was with, with some older people around they're kind of in a little bit of a bubble around the whole thing. You know, they hear on the news, oh, well, you know, the Russian government or the Chinese government or whichever government is meddled in X, Y, and Z and how they've done it. They tend to switch off from that, but then they're, in a way, perpetuating it through mm-hmm. their actions online. So, But that's the thing is I don't think people, like, I didn't realize it, uh, you know, to be to be quite honest, you know, these revelations, the Cambridge, Cambridge Analytica thing was a big, you know, that was a big story for me. Um, but just, you know, now we know how exploitable the platforms are and how vulnerable we are mentally to it. You know, that we talked about the anxiety, the depression and stuff, but there's also data out there just showing how gullible, I mean, maybe gullible is the wrong word, but you know, influenceable we are and not, and, and it's different degrees for everybody. But if you are one of the, as someone who's very highly influenceable by it, this is just like this Facebook, you know, we keep saying Facebook, but we'll, you know, so, social media, it's like, it's like crack. It's like heroin for you. Because if you're, if you're already prone to being, you know, really swayed by opinion and stuff like this, this is just going to feed it to you at, at, at rates that your brain cannot even defend against, you know? Right. Yeah. So it's, I think it's, it's a really, you know, it's a, it's a, it's dangerous. And actually we saw too the last year that it led to violence. I mean, if you, you if you watch the the frontline frontline PBS and American investigative journal, I've probably talked about it a million times on this podcast. Great investigative journalism. Um, they did a two part series called the Facebook Dilemma. I also encourage everybody to watch that. But we saw that you know in in the Arab Spring, which was four or five years yeah, ago, yeah, yeah. which yeah. was spurred on by Facebook, the the revolution in Egypt. There was you know the people that you know sort of first overthrew uh, Mubarak were praising Facebook as this allowed us to organize this gave us speech when we weren't allowed speech anywhere else but they interview those people and they noticed that as soon as Mubarak was gone everyone was turning on each other and the same things that they were using to rally behind a single cause when that cause was gone started turning into everybody turning on each other we saw the uh, we saw the the genocide in Myanmar with the Rohingya Muslims that was they, the Buddhists were using Facebook to spread that information and spread that hate, and it led to real violence. And this is what they they showed in the frontline piece was that there was people on the ground there warning Facebook, saying, "Your platform is being used to spur on you know these violent mobs and to spread this information, and it's gotten people riled up, and it spreads like wildfire." And they 
Facebook says they, you know, they didn't know or whatever, but there was people there that say, we tried to warn you and they did nothing. I mean, a lot of it, again, I, I don't think they're bad people at Facebook, but they didn't have enough people that spoke those languages. They weren't no, monitoring. Or, or what, do, you know, what do they do about it? How do they, and I think to dial that down to a, a scale where people, I was thinking the other day, if you, two things. So one, if you go, if you go on Twitter and you, you find a really innocuous comment that, you know, somebody says, I had toast for breakfast today. If you, if you scroll through, you find a comment like that. If you find something that's got like 10 or so more replies, you can guarantee almost that if you scroll down through those replies, at some point it's kicked off in some sort of argument. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and part of that is trolls, right? Like people, there is well, trolls out there that do yeah, that exactly. just for fun. Exactly. And and that was gonna, what I was going to say is most of our listeners is probably have the experience, especially with text messaging, WhatsApp, that type of thing, where it's very easy when you're FaceTiming or you're Skyping or in a room with somebody, if somebody makes a joke or is sarcastic, you pick up on that, you get the body language. Whereas on text, no doubt we've all had it where you've said something flippantly or jokingly on text and the other person's taken it totally the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or you you know, you've 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 written something quickly and then when you read it back you're like, Well, I can see how that and it suddenly it's inflamed. Yeah. Well that that is happening all the time. And that's on a small scale. So you you know, if that's happening accidentally, then magnify that up. And I, I, for me, a really good analogy that came out in 2018 was um, Ricky Gervais's stand-up show that came out last year. Was it Humanity, I think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so obviously he's a big proponent of Twitter and, you know, on it almost constantly during the, the day. I find when I use Twitter, I, I you know, I, I dip in, I follow what I want. I, I tend to get my news from Twitter because it tends to be more reactive than... Mm-hmm, waiting for mm-hmm. news sites. Um, but the analogy he gave with Twitter and social media was, you know, it, you see online, you, know, you, you wander into your town centre and there's a notice board, and on that notice board, somebody has written, um, guitar lessons, £15 an hour, call this number. Mm-hmm. Social media analogy to that is, that person reads that sign, they come home, they ring that number, I don't want guitar lessons! Yeah. <laughs> And that, but that is what social, you know, the number of times you look at social media and you read something that somebody's put, oh, well, I hope it rains today or I hope it snows today because I really like snow. And then somebody's going, you wanted this? Do you know how many people? Yeah. It's like, why do you? There are, there are people out there that do it and you can call them trolls like that, that are just there to inflame a situation. Like, but why do I need to make a comment? You know? Yeah. There are th- some things that are just a passing comment, let it go. Yeah. But I mean, and, and, you know, to, to plug another one of the, uh, in conversation things I, I, I did shamelessly I see, I see a running theme here, shamelessly, um, in number two, episode two of that, where I talked with, uh, John Gilliard, my PhD supervisor, he, th- his take on Twitter, I thought was quite refreshing yeah. in that, you know, it was, he did talk about, it's like, yeah, you know, you, you, you're going to, if you go in, in looking for, you know, the most controversial stuff expect to get it but it's also useful in terms of like he said networking with the community his research community that he otherwise wouldn't you know yeah because they're around the world so there is there is good there but i think this is the interesting and maybe we could just go to now like like well where, where do we go from here what do we look at for 2019 and i think that's sort of the big one is will we form will we start to see better habits will people be more aware of what it is what this technology is and especially now that we we see that like facebook twitter and stuff you just talked about how you get news and stuff from it so do i it's kind of usurping the regular channels of media yeah it's 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 becoming where most people get their news right yeah so how do we how do we form better habits around that um do we will you know schools educators parents start teaching kids about this at a younger age will we see parents be like well you know what you don't need social media until you're older because we know that it's it's just going to make you sad you know, <laughs> you know there's bullying in middle yeah, school treat, already yeah. why treat do we it need like, it? treat it like alcohol or you know right. drugs in certain countries that have legalized it you know put an age limit on it and yeah i definitely i saw I, there was an article this year and i i can't remember where it was but where they made the analogy of, of what we found out about Facebook and stuff was like what when they found out smoking was bad. 
It still right. it still took twenty years for governments and people and attitudes to change in order to make those laws that you can't smoke inside, you can't smoke in your car if your kids in, you know all these things. So hopefully it, it changes a little faster because like we said it you know there's some interesting you know there's some good things about it, but we just we all jumped on board without realizing I think the dangers and it took. It took the dangers happening in order to realize that that yeah. you know that it was that the system was so exploitable, but so you know looking forward, yeah, will we change our will we change our habits around it? And I think another big thing that we'll we'll, we'll be continuing to look at in twenty nineteen um, is how they deal with antitrust laws, especially in the U S. because Twitter, Facebook, they're giant companies, and when Instagram started taking users from Facebook, what did they do? They bought it, you know. WhatsApp, same thing. They bought WhatsApp, so that's also a problem because there's no competition for in in these markets. You can't. You you. Know, we're gonna stay on Twitter. You know, I'm gonna stay on Facebook because I can communicate with people that I otherwise wouldn't. You know, or I can, can communicate with my family and stuff in an easier yeah. way now that I'm living abroad. I you know that it's, all those riots that you do. And, right. You know. Exactly. I'm gonna troll the shit out of some people. No. <laughs> um, but you know. But if there was, like, let's say there was, for example, another company, another that that said, or and they could prove we're, you know, we we protect your data better, use our social media site, you know, that kind of thing, without yeah. them just being swallowed up, you know. So that's I think an interesting angle of it that hasn't been talked about a lot, um, is you know the antitrust, you know, so these these companies are giant conglomerates, so this and what are they doing with this metadata, all that. Uh, and censorship on those platforms. How do they how do they deal with hate speech on there? What do they term hate speech? And then the conversation of well, who gets to decide that? The company, obviously, they can pull anyone they want off their platform. But then you get this because it's now, you know, you have to be on Twitter if you want to get your message out. If you're say an activist organization or something, but if you're yeah. an activist organization that's not promoting hate speech and not violent or whatever. But the leader, the the company doesn't like you because you're protesting against their, you know, whatever it is, they could just pull you and then you lose that voice. It's become such a big platform that it's almost, you know, I've heard some people banny around the idea of it should be a public utility. You know, it should be like the Internet and that you can't, you know, they, and then that kind of goes again to breaking up these big companies and handing them over, you know. But anyway, so those are the kind of things uh, that, you know, we'll, we'll again, We'll probably see for the next couple of years uh, as we come to grips with some of this technology and and where we go from here. But I'm done. Those are my rants. Those <laughs> are my, you know, I'll get it off my chest right now. But I thought those were the two two really big things for me uh, in 2018 uh, that will sort of carry over into 2019. Our our old friend Ebola will... Will, will Well, I was going to say, yeah, Ebola should obviously continue on that. As, I see that you've done a good job at uh, tweeting out from the account this week all the updated numbers. So right, yeah, yeah. Um, I've been trying to get on top of that more. So as as I just finished the whole thing about social media, check our Twitter. <laughs> you know, because we're obviously still going to use it, but just be aware that yeah, but we're using it for good. We're spreading, you know, good information. Right. None of this fake fake news. It's all. And if true. we ever get money, we will disclose that to you right away. Yeah. With our Instagram post of you and me raining dollar bills down. Yeah. On a beach, drinking yeah. cocktails. <laughs> yeah, we did it. Our listeners will be the first to know, don't worry. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, so from there, you're going to take it now, right? And you're going to give us sort of... Well, the... yeah, I'm not, and I can't follow that in, in depth. So I, I, I feel somewhat the uh, the lesser of the two brads today, which, you know... Not at all, my friend. I've been... I hijacked you with this episode. I, I gave you the uh, the idea for it, knowing full well that I was going to rant about some shit. Wow, <laughs> and, and that's good because you, you've you've filled up most of the time, so I don't feel quite so bad when I skip over my bits quite <laughs> quite quickly and then wrap us up for the the night. So what I do is I just uh, flick back through some of the episodes that we've we've done this year, and um, just really to give out without really much detail, just a highlight of the stories. So if somebody's listening in for 2019, they might be tempted to go back and listen over 2018 um and then also just to, you know you touched on one earlier but just a couple of points of the show so firstly the points for the show the the, the high points i think um a we're still going you know we, yeah. let's include that one who would have thought that 
from we haven't been kicked off the internet yet not yet no from our mediocre beginnings uh, a couple of years ago so we're still here we're still going um we're in what's this episode 31 31 um in the meantime you know during my uh hiatus of just being busy with other live shit you've taken on the in conversation series which is um i get really good feedback from that from people so uh, good 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 i think that's a, a good little uh, tease in between when the two brands aren't together to, to have them going um but for for me the obvious highlight was episode 29 where we actually got to broadcast from the same room uh, <laughs> for the first time in well the first time individually together individually together first time together um, oh, yeah. because obviously we did the the special in boston with a few of the gang from um parasitology world but it's the first time you and i've been alone together uh, in a room with uh, some mics and some recording equipment, and it got down and dirty in that room. Yeah, after a weekend of beer festivals and Yeah, impromptu whatnot. beer festivals, which was excellent. <laughs> um, so, yeah, in terms of high level for the the show, those are the high points. I think some of the stories that jumped out to me when I was looking back through, um, most recently the zombie uterus one and the, the, the whole <laughs> uterus transplant one, I, I think that was... I really enjoyed that episode. and I, the, the story and... Um, Obviously, the, the medical advance and technology behind it is, is fairly incredible, but I, I, I did enjoy that episode. And that was a, I, saw, I saw a quick update on that, too. Uh, I'm not sure if it was the same surgery, but I saw today a story about robotic surgical arms that were used to remove the uterus for a uterus donation. And then a baby was born with that. So I'm not sure if this was just like an add-on to the original story that I saw, or this is a whole new uterus transplant surgery. So hold, hold on, like, if, if, if it's the same, so it's a zombie uterus that's given birth that was taken out by a machine. So machines are dissecting humans yeah. to grow up. Oh, that is a scary. Now that is where fake news can really run with this story. <laughs> that was sort of the, the angle highlight that I saw today was this like, it's the first time we robotic surgery was able to robotic surgical arms or whatever so I'm, I'm assuming somebody was controlling those arms you know but anyway that's a quick no, no, go. no, no, no. Well, maybe 2019 we... is the year of uterus stories we're just going to well, do a hard uterus series when um you mentioned robotics and unfortunately you used the term hard there so it's the i saw on the news today that it's the technology show ces um in the u.s where they unveil the big so you know yesterday okay, on the news yeah, yeah. samsung announced that you can get iTunes on their TV, which you know everyone held as a what a miracle. Um, I saw on the news today a sex toy designed for women has been banned from the show. Um, <laughs> the spokesperson for the company said they've been invited to display their robotic 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 um, vibrator after winning an innovation award for it. Hmm. Um, but then they realised the organising company said actually they granted the award and included them by mistake, and therefore they were withdrawing them. <laughs> um, they said because uh, it could be conceived as immoral or obscene. Um, oh, come which, on, lighten up, yeah. you prudes. Um, I want to know what their great innovation in in you know sort of vibrator dildo technology was. Like, how do you reinvent the wheel there? Right. So the product had been designed in partnership with a robotics laboratory at Oregon State University. It had eight patents pending, or does have eight patents pending for robotics, biomimicry, and engineering feats hmm. is the uh, the quote um so but what i uh, really liked is um they that so they were drawn it because it was obscene and whatever uh, actually the company and come back said well it, it basically it's a bit funny because there are products on display or there have been products on display um which was called the uh, real doll sex robot made by a company called harmony which debuted at last year's show um, which was in a room showcase, showcasing virtual reality porn. Um, and this year, the, there is an unofficial shuttle bus taking people from the conference, the CES conference, to a legal brothel so they can experience the VR. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that was, if we had time, I was going to go into that was my third big story of the year was sex robots and VR well, porn. But, you know, we'll, we'll save it for 2020 wrap up or 2020 yeah. story of the year. Um, yeah, and as a, I'll, I'll send you the link so you can put it out. Well, it's not one of our stories. There's a, there's <laughs> please, Bible cancer, please do. Bible cancer, a picture of it, which looks... It looks like something from a science fiction type film. But anyway. Um, so, yeah. We've, we've gone down a rabbit hole there that I wasn't meaning to go down. But So, yeah. That was the uterus piece was uh, one of them. Um, one that actually I've had um, 
and it, I, th I think we only minorly covered it. Or I, I certainly only minorly covered it. The lubricating condom, or self-lubricating right. condom. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is one that I've had more feedback on from from people. Not literally, you know, they've tried it and used it. Um, <laughs> but in terms of an article, in terms of a concept, um, I had lots of feedback on that. So that obviously touched a lot of hearts. Uh, if you pardon the pun, um, <laughs> as well. Um, and then I'll, I'll skip to an early one we did. We also covered a story on the effect of uh, gut flora, gut bacteria on mm. mood and how that could be used to influence right. things. Yeah. Um, that was an interesting one for me. The two that really rang my bell, um, though, that I really liked was obviously in, in lieu of having our famous head transplanting Italian surgeon, we didn't have him this year, I think right. who we had to take his place this year was Mad Mike Hughes. Right. <laughs> uh, the guy that created the steam-powered rocket that was going to you know, fly over and prove once and for all that the Earth really was flat. Um, it was then, so, you know, there was, then there was a bit of fake media saying it was all a hoax, and then it wasn't a hoax. Right. Um, and now apparently he's running for governor or has run for governor. Well, okay, so now there's a movie or he was teasing a, Yeah, he was teasing a run for governor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I had a quick look uh, before we came online, and um, yeah, he's got a website. So I know that there's the um, Elton John story coming out. I think that comes out this year, the film on right. Elton John. Right. Um, which is called Rocket Man. Interestingly, Mad Mike Hughes has a link on his website to the film Rocket Man, um, which is meant to be about him rather than Elton John, I, I assume, based on his own. And he also now has a range of merchandise that you can buy on Mad Mike Hughes' website like, as well. Like T-shirts and shit? T-shirts and shit. So I was thinking um, maybe we should invest some of the funds that we haven't got. Um, I, I, I'd quite like a Mad Mike Hughes T-shirt, I think. Well, um, we should see if we can get him on the show. Well... Do you want to talk to him? I don't want to smash the... It's like meeting your heroes, isn't it? You know, you, uh, okay, you meet your hero, see, see. you ruin it. Yeah, and I, I, yeah. I wouldn't want to do that. You know, in, in my mind, he's he's bordering on God's status. You yeah. know, I don't want to oversell it, but that's yeah. the reason. I, I wouldn't want to ruin that. But, um, fair enough, fair enough. But, you know, I'm I'm willing to put some... Just because I think he gives us... He, he's gave us some great stories this year. So if you we, did, we were it. able to follow it off a, a couple follow it over a couple episodes where we're not yeah, right. because it was like it's on it's off it's on again and then he actually did it like he did well, launch himself he, did, he didn't yeah. get you know he didn't get to prove if the world was flat or not but he got up there and down and survived well and I was thinking if we bought a t-shirt maybe one each that would perpetuate his quest to do yeah. even more mad things so we'd have more stories for 2019. Well, if we want to just jump in a quick aside, because I did see a, 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 a Mad mad Mike story you know, oh, really? today as well. I mean, it was a bit early. It was a YouTube video from a bit earlier, a guy that went to one of these Flat Earth conferences, um, you know, as a person, a sane person that believes the Earth is round, he went to sort of just experience it and whatnot. Well, that's a bold of course, statement there, Flash. A, man, a sane man. person that believes the Earth is round. Okay. Hey, come at me on Twitter. Flat Earthers, <laughs> bring it on. Um, but Mad Mike was, of, of course, there. But the funny thing that, I, that, 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 that came up in this, in this video was they were talking about, well, you know, he wanted to launch himself up there into space. That's his ultimate goal, is to get into space and show that so he can see with his own eyes that the world is flat and not round. But the flat earthers have cleverly put a little loophole in there that if he gets up into space, if he does, and sees that the earth is actually round, it's because he's going to have to be wearing a NASA helmet. <laughs> and that NASA helmet is totally designed to just, you know, the glass is curved on the front. So obviously it makes everything look like it's curved and you can't trust NASA. Because it's new world order, fucking. Well, and, you know, la you know, what would happen to all of NASA's funding if the world was really shown to be flat? You know, what have they been doing with that money all these years? The ruse. They've been. They spend fifty-six million dollars a day, according to this. Uh, oh, really? According to this conference, to produce all of the images and whatnot that they do, to to to, to you know, lie to us sheeple. Anyway. Are they still getting fifty-six million a day funding with the current shutdown of the federal U.S. government? But it's a good question. We'd have to take it to the flat earthers. But anyway, that was my little. I did see a mad, mad Mike story today, so that was his little bit. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe we should. Okay, kick so in a maybe twenty nineteen is the year of 
Mad Mike Hughes. So, yeah, he, uh, you know, great. He sounds like a great character. For me, I think the the biggest biggest story for me, the biggest, the, the most enjoyable story for me was the Nobel Prize one. It, for me, it it started as a well, I've heard of the Nobel Prize, and I'm going to go and see who's won it, and then oh, well, let's dig into the history. Mm-hmm. And suddenly, I fell into the. I literally lost an hour. Uh, like researching a story, which Kate I then came out with a totally different story because it was about the history of Alfred Nobel and whatever, and what an interesting, clever and interesting guy. Um, but yeah, such a great. There's definitely some legroom there. Obviously, there'll be there'll be Nobel prizes awarded uh, this year as well. So probably we should jump on that and dig into it a little bit more, taking the opportunity. But um, yeah, Alfred Nobel and Mad Mike Hughes were my two standout figures for. Those are the uh, big ones for you. Yeah, I think so. I mean, um, I, we also, yeah. Well, the other thing, the other thing I looked at was themes that we had going through stories. So mm. we had a lot on gene editing and mm-hmm. CRISPR technology, and um, so there was a lot of that in our episodes. And the other thing was a lot of um, viral editing, so cure for the cold, cure for HIV. Again, working with the gene editing of how do you get that gene editing sequence going while using some sort of friendly virus that's been been edited. Um, so yeah, when I when I did my uh, social media Cambridge Analytica type deep dive into the themes <laughs> that we had for 2018, that was what was coming out of it for me. Wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. Um, I know we did. We I think we talked about some stem cell stuff too for diabetes. I mean, yep. that was a theme for sure. Um, and that was in the news again this week. The um, the first trial started. I can't remember where it was. I want to say Chicago, but I may be wrong. With uh, the um, beta cell pouch that they transplant in, ah, uh, yeah, yeah. cells to then produce the the insulin outside of the pancreas. So yeah, that that trial started this week, which we we touched on early in twenty eighteen. Actually, I think yeah, with... that was early in the year. Yeah, cool. Yeah, I'm trying to think now, like of of one of the some of the ones that stood out to me, and uh, my memory is terrible. So I feel like the ones that are only going to pop into my head were the more recent ones. But speaking of memory, a couple themes that I remember, a couple stories that I remember. Um, we did talk one about the where memories are formed in we the did, brain yeah, and how yeah, they yeah. move from one section of the brain to the other. That was a really interesting one for me. I can't remember what episode that was in. As, a, as um, I was just looking back to see our previous, I just hit play. So unless you do some editing, it's <laughs> going to be a sequence of you and I talking to ourselves while talking to ourselves from a previous episode. Really uh, confuse the crap out of people. That's what that was. Yeah, no, that was a really interesting one when they where they were able to kind of show. And I thought like it was interesting because not only that you know memories are formed in one area. And then they could actually show them being sort of consolidated, I guess, into long-term memory in another area of the brain. I thought that was really interesting just on its own. But then I rem- if I remember correctly, the, the methods sort of in, in how they were able to, to show that I thought was quite interesting, the, the experimental design. Um, another one on memory was the snail memories, the trans... The, transportation of snail memories from one snail to another now i know my my lovely wife Teresa had a lot of issue with that story she was not she wasn't buying it we'll say and she has she had good reasons she brought up a lot of good reasons i should i should write a blog post or something about her get her to come on and explain her and give a correction to to the story that would be a first for us yeah um and then i guess the other big one that i you could tie it into memory or my loss of memory uh, is the cannabis, any of the cannabis stories that we talked about. Yeah, we about. had a couple of those, actually, didn't we? Yeah, with yeah. Canada legalizing and everything like that. I thought we... Uh, well, and that was one that we got feedback on, too. Um, I got in-person feedback uh, when we were at the beer festival about oh, yeah, that yeah. story. and that Oh, that yeah, that was touched good a, feedback. From... That touched a listener and sort of got them to think about something in a different way. I don't know. If, we don't have to say his name. I don't know if he's comfortable no, no. with that. But um, that was really interesting. I really enjoyed... Not only that, tickets to the beer fest, you know who you are. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you, Slasher. Yeah, but the, the feedback on that one, too, I thought was quite interesting because it actually it actually felt like we, you know, made a... It made, we, brought made a new, a... we brought a new viewpoint to someone that maybe didn't have that. And hey, there you go. Well, and actually, so, and I almost asked the question earlier, so I, I didn't realize it was federal elections in Canada this year. So is this mm-hmm. like 
prime ministerial. Yep. So Trudeau's up for re-election, effectively, or yep, yeah, yep, yeah. yeah. It'll be a federal election. Uh, the first, the first uh, that Trudeau is facing as the incumbent. So it'll so, be his first what the, bid at re-election. What are the polls saying at the moment? Um, I don't know particularly. Okay, uh, that's it, a short story it, then. Brilliant, thanks. Well, okay, no, well. it's it's but just it, make it up, Flash. Nobody knows. It's only no, no, no. no. If I had to gauge the the temperatures just from sort of you know my uh, keeping in touch with Canadian politics from a distance, Canadian politics is kind of boring, and our election cycle is <laughs> is very short. We you know the election maybe runs for like. Sh- 12 weeks something like that it's not like okay. the u.s where it's like oh, that, constantly well, that's, a, that's a good thing i would say it is a good thing it's more it's more like a british it's more like the british system right. um so we'll get more heat as the summer kind of comes along and then into the fall um but if i had to to guess about it you know it's 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 going to be the same you know ontario and quebec are you have to win there you have to win those provinces that's where the majority of the seats are so if you can win ontario and quebec with the majority of ontario and quebec you can form the government out west people do not like trudeau they will hate him and they will continue to hate him no matter what he does uh so that'll be conservative ontario will be interesting they elected doug ford as we talked about so there might be some work to do for the liberal party there but i i if I'm going to make a bold prediction, probably not so bold, that he'll win re-election. Uh, I think he will do enough, barring any major blunders or whatever, over the next uh, eight to ten months, which is a long time. Um, but he could probably hang on to the the sections of eastern Canada that he needs to in order to form to form the government. So, but yeah, we'll see. But that'll be something that we can follow as as we as we move. Well, on. I. I... I purposely stayed away from the predictions for 2019. I know we've done that the last couple of years, and yeah. know, I, I have been shown to be a groundhog in many ways because I've, I've got a couple of predictions right. Um, but yeah, so there, there's one prediction for 2019 that I didn't ask for, but has been made that you know you're saying he's going to remain in power. Yeah, I think he'll remain in power. He probably won't have the same number of seats that he has now, but but yeah, I don't know. They they, they could be interesting. Maybe I'll do a side a side podcast. The you know, Canadian politics podcast. That's what everybody wants to hear, right? That's what, you know, in the early days, that's what we thought, because that's what a lot of our episodes are focused on, and we quickly moved away from that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's, 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 let's not go down that rabbit hole particularly. But no, I think yeah. it will be interesting, because I think he is, I, th- I think he's one of the main characters in politics now. I think, you know, not that Canada wasn't a main player before, but I think, you know, a lot of people know who he is and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. know his name and... um much more so than the last guy. And it's interesting, you know, being outside of Canada, living outside of Canada and going back, especially to a province that particularly does not like him, um, to see how people within the country view him versus people outside the country. He has much more standing here in Europe. People think he's, you know, especially people of the sort of center, left center of the spectrum, you know, they view him quite favorably. Uh, yeah. as a progressive leader um but then you go back to the some of the more conservative parts of canada and they're like oh he's a joke he embarrasses us on the world it's like no no people don't care about internal canadian politics so anything he does within the country that is sort of people look at as like oh what a blunder he's loved out here <laughs> in liberal western democracies of europe he's loved so yeah that i think wraps up you think the show for where we've been? Yeah, I can't think of too many th- too many other uh, too many other big stories. I mean, the gene editing stuff that was fun. The memory stuff. Um, yeah, the uterus stuff. I guess really I hit it, struck a chord with I'm, you. I'm, I'm, yeah, I am. I'm not making a prediction, but I'm I'm hoping we get some head transplant stuff this year because we, we we've been waiting a long time for that shit to happen. Yeah, yeah. I'm starting to lose. I'm starting to lose faith, Brad. Start well, I'm thinking, uh, yeah, I, uh, me too. I'm thinking maybe it was a bit of a hoax, but you know, who knows? Um, I'm not going to do the usual summary because I think we've done a, a bit of a a summary overall. But I'm just going to say I'm looking forward to 2019, uh, hitting some big topics again mm-hmm. this year. There were some um, good stories today, actually. That um, I started researching, then realised that you and I had agreed to brief on something else, so I <laughs> put on the back burner. But um, you know, that that can only be a good thing. Good stories coming through. 
for this year. So, as always, if the listeners want to get in touch, um, you can hit up the show on that evil that is Twitter, at uh, Brad for you. Uh, you can hit my evil Twitter account, at uh, Bradley W. Hayes, I have to think then. Uh, Flash, yourself, you're all over social media, obviously, because you are evil as they come. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm spreading all the fake news propaganda. Uh, at bvampiredon, um, Twitter, Instagram, we got those. Yeah, check out the Tragically Hip podcast. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. Cast which you're on? Gems. Which album you're on now? We just released Day for Night, so I believe that is the fourth or fifth album. I was going to say it's fourth. Yeah, fourth. What I'd read earlier. Yeah, 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 yeah. So check that out. It's tons of fun, and if you haven't heard the band, you know. Maybe it's a good introduction to the band. It'll at least give you an insight as to why we Canadians think they're so great. Uh, and if you're a fan of the band, uh, get get into it. Um, yeah. yeah, I think you'll enjoy it. And it's super fun to do. So those will be coming out monthly for the next, I think, until October. We're going to do all the albums. So. Oh, good. Well, that's keeping you employed. Yeah. Well, it's well. You know, taking more time than social media does. <laughs> <laughs> it's a labor of love it's a labor of love seems as it so until next time flash uh i'll bid you a safe 2019 until we, well until we speak i bid you all of 2019 to be safe i bid all our listeners to have a safe 2019 and uh catch you next time around yep we'll see you next time thanks to everyone for listening thanks to everyone who's listened for the last years we'll do our yeah. best in 2019 well, that's not going too far. Yeah. Pace ourselves. <laughs> Set a low bar. It's a bit like my beer being drinkable. Yeah, all right, right. All right, Brad. See you later. Till next time. How's the beer coming, actually? Oh, so yeah, the so the first batch, um, it's it's okay, it's drinkable. <laughs> it looks good. It looks good. It smells good. It just tastes very sweet. I like that your bar is like it's drinkable. <laughs> okay, that's a pretty. I don't know. It depends on how picky you are, I guess. But for me, that's a pretty low bar. Well, I I would say from when I when I was brewing from the kits. It, yeah. it tastes like one of the bad ones I made with a kit. So you know it's drinkable and it's not going to do you any harm, and but it just wouldn't yeah. be... I wouldn't want... I would sit down and have...